Hello, everybody. Welcome to the world's greatest Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I'm your co-host, Mike Allen. As always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. Today, we're going to be taking a look at a few episodes from the animated Spider-Man cartoon. Woo! Yes, and we're joined by G.I. Jolie. I am not Becca, but I am just as mad about being here. <laughs> what? I'd be super excited if someone asked me to talk about Spidey. The animated series? <laughs> sure, why not? I mean, it's not as good as the 80s one, but I'll settle for this. You say that all the time, and we continually disagree with you, but whatever. Yeah. So yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about three episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. Tombstone, Venom Returns, and Carnage, which is the first appearance of Carnage. And we should point out Tombstone is the first appearance of Tombstone. And uh, Josh, you're going to tell us the plot summary for that one. Right. Okay. So this is episode nine of the third season in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. We're uh, introduced to to this new villain, Tombstone, as he's kind of like an assassin, like a hired gun for... Uh, the Silver Sable, or not Silver, um, Silver Mains Corporation. Oh, I already yeah. forget, of course. Right yeah. at the beginning of the, uh... It's, uh, Silver Mane's daughter, isn't it? Yeah, Silver Mane's oh. daughter takes over for Silver Mane after he dies in, in the show. I can't remember what the, the company is called. Uh, but, uh, so he works for them, and she is telling him, you need to find all the incriminating photos of me, and you need to stop this expose that's happening at the day of the bugle. So, uh, essentially, it kind of plays out like this story in the comics, uh, but instead of uh, uh, Robbie Robertson's tape that Tombstone is trying to find and destroy, it's actually an, uh, a full-on expose like that that some reporters are going to be putting out. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the differences, though, are actually that um, the origin of Tombstone has changed a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he's more tied in with Robbie as a character. And I think it's actually done a lot better uh, in the show than it is in the comic. Um, in the comic, we kind of just see like a brief flashback from Robbie's POV where uh, Tombstone is just kind of this big gray monster and he's like pummeling him and bullying him while they're in school but in this they were actually friends and they grew up together and they went to the same school and tombstone as a kid was kind of like uh uh more of like a rough kid robbie wanted to be more straight edge he was like constantly trying to talk him into like doing bad things and then one day they break into like a convenience store or something and then robbie runs away and tombstone gets caught and he's shipped off to juvie and he's never kind of seen from uh seen from or heard of from from then on out and then we learn later on that there's like another point in time where they meet up when they're adults and they're in this like factory and they're like stealing stuff from this factory and robbie goes in to try and stop it and um he has pretty much been set up by his former friend to like be framed for this break-in 
because now his prints are all over the factory and he's just going to like knock him out and then leave the place. So he gets caught when the police show up, but it backfires on him and something happens and he trips into a big vat of acid Joker style. And uh, that's how he's transformed into this like big gray tombstone monster that we know of. And he's kind of like holding a grudge against Robbie. Um so Robbie is is the reporter that's helping to write this expose and he, Tombstone is also like simultaneously using Robbie's son who is also trying who is also kind of like getting into trouble at school and with gangs and stuff and uh the climax ends with um Spidey helping Robbie <laughs> Robertson and his son uh, or save his son from Tombstone, who is currently being set up the same way that Robbie was. And um, Spider-Man ends up helping Robbie save the day and Tombstone is uh, is webbed up. And that's pretty much it. I, I can't remember if anything else important happens. The, the weird thing is, too, Spider-Man doesn't have like a huge role in what's going on in this one. He's kind of just there. And then even when he goes to like stop tombstone at the end of the day madam webb like stops him before he can and he she's kind of like listen sit this one out it's better that you just like help them and let them resolve their own issues because um i'm not sure if it's at the end of this one or the next one but uh she kind of hints that uh she's training spider-man to do something like she's kind of putting through putting him through all of these tests because in the future something big is happening something huge is going to be happening to earth and she needs to make sure that spider-man is ready for what's going on so she's kind of like constantly putting th him through all of these like tests to mm -hmm. make sure he's like the best hero he can be so yeah he's kind of sidelined and it's more of a story between robbie and his son and tombstone but well, here's the thing. I, I mm -hmm. did like the fact that they were more that Robbie and Lonnie were more friends. Like that, I like that fact that it wasn't just Robbie witnessing him doing something. But other than that, I didn't like any of the changes to his origin, especially the Joker thing. Like that was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I thought. I mean, it was just so much more original for one for him to just be an albino uh, than to him do the classic thing of being dropped into a vat of chemicals which not only bleaches his skin white but also gives him sharp teeth and makes him really strong <laughs> like what are the chances right and he dyes his hair blonde and dyes his hair blonde yeah <laughs> maybe I mean, that shark backstreet boy acid yeah did you ever they... think about that mike yeah you, you know what you got me you got me um so gi Jolie, what did you think of the changes first of all the tombstone i actually like them i didn't mind them at all um, what? Pardon? No, no, no. I'm just joking. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I mean, as I was watching, I was like, wow, this is literally like four to five issues of a, this is a whole story arc that lasted months. Uh huh. All packaged neatly into one episode of the, the show. Um, I didn't mind it. It's a little less dramatic than the book mm. or the book origin which is which is more sinister like it makes tombstone more sinister of a character and this one it just seems like he is the friend of robbie a friend of robbie like the friendship was a little i, I could see it more clearly in the the show as opposed to <coughs> how it played out in the comic 
but the the character the sorry the friendship was clearer but he seemed less intense and scary if that makes sense mm-hmm. like, right he seemed more friendly because the friendship was like a like a I don't know. Well, I, I can never figure out why, for example, they'll censor something in a movie. Like, for example, in the second Batman movie, Catwoman says, life's a bitch, now so am I. In the comics, she says, life's a witch, now so am I. Uh, in the Transformers cartoon, the character says, shit. In the comic, they edit that out. Isn't it the exact same audience? Like, is it the same audience? So why would they be afraid that kids would be too scared of Tombstone. Maybe I'm wrong. I guess it's a much bigger audience mm. for the cartoon, for one, but I would think it's the same audience, so I don't know why that they would kind of tone down how scary they make Tombstone, but... I don't, I don't know. know. I feel like the the show, the audience, is more... It is the same audience, plus children. Yeah, true, true. I also think, too, <laughs> that it, it definitely comes down to the the fact that there's different groups rating them uh-huh. and allowing different things right like the comics code obviously is a little bit more loose than national tv and what you can mm-hmm. put out um so like when you see him like choking out somebody and like cracking their necks in the comic panel and them dropping to the ground and their eyes are still wide yeah. as they're laying there <laughs> lifeless on the ground that would never fly in a cartoon uh-huh. right so yeah, I can see why um, maybe it was like a little less intense because he's not as imposing. But I think uh, as much as they could, they made up for that by including Robbie's son in this story and kind of upping the stakes where it's less of like, oh, Robbie is going to die. And it's more of like Robbie is terrified that his son is going to be f- like following in the same fate as tombstone and his former friend and possibly him. And he really doesn't want that for his kid. So while I, I definitely see how, and I agree the, the tone in the spectacular Spider-Man issues in that story arc is, is better. I, I do appreciate that they changed it in a, in a good way where the stakes are still kind of there. Um, maybe, maybe, yeah, they're definitely not as high stakes, but, it's something to replace the the danger that comes with like how menacing he is in the comics. Right. Um so yeah, I mean, what else is there to say about this episode? Um uh I, I guess the problem with this one is I'm so close to the source material that it did bother me how much they changed it, so it's hard for me to, to be objective, you know? Interesting. Yeah, um, I didn't I think the only thing that um I maybe liked better about the climax in the comics is the fact that we saw like the narration of of his of robbie's confession while the climax is happening that was done so well but um other than that i think that involving robbie's family and then having them actually have like a deeper relationship Mm -hmm. made it a more compelling like betrayal almost of Robbie and it made sense why he would be like so scared of him and kind of like uh, allowing him to do all of these shitty things without saying anything throughout all of these years like I understand he was like scared of him but at this point he's like head of the Daily Bugle the national like you know like 
the biggest newspaper in New York. He's friends with Spider-Man. He knows all of these superheroes. There's no way for him to like, you know what I mean? And and again, it's like that's definitely nitpicking in the story. But I think even that small aspect of it is like fixed in the way that it was told in, in, in the show. Well, the, the thing is, though, is if you apply that logic to superhero stories, no one would ever be, ever be scared because, well, I know Superman. I know Batman. But if you do that, then no story has any weight or like you kind of. But, but this does have weight, though, right? He, they're living in the same world, but I understand why he would lie and keep the secret more in the show than in the comics is what I'm saying. They mm. actually give him, I think, a better reason for him to be scared because this is his old friend. He doesn't and he feels like he actually did something bad mm -hmm. for him to turn into this villain and not just some big meathead, scary albino dude right. that was bullying him his entire life. Like there's there's a reason why he feels so attached to this person It's because they well, were they were best friends. And part of the reason why he became who he was was because of himself. Yeah. Part of the fear is the guilt. Yeah. It's different, like, but they did mm. exist in the comic, though. It's a different reason, right? What was the guilt in the comic? I thought it was he was just scared because well, yeah, he like threatened him, right? But that's what I mean, though. Is like he, he it's not like he doesn't have a motivation or a, or a reason to be scared. He's just scared of him, right? Yeah, I think I guess yep. it's just more flimsy. I guess for me, like it's it's not as strong. Yeah, it's. I agree with Josh. It's a little less. Um. The backstory of the fear contains guilt, so it's a little bit richer for the character, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, I don't know. Um, so this episode, I didn't love it, but, I mean, it's still as good as the average episode of Spider-Man, so I still recommend it. Uh, what about you guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I recommend this one. This is definitely my favorite of the three that we're going to be talking about. Um, it also had a couple <laughs> of good lines. I can't remember. I should have wrote them down. Tombstone said a great line in this. Oh, that mean, stuck with me. Well, you come. Why don't you come down here and fight like a man? And Spider-Man says, "What? How about I? What if I convince you to come up here and fight like a spider?" That one's great. That's Classic. a great spider. That was my second. That was the second one I was going to say. But Tombstone says something that. Uh, I thought it was a really great line. Yeah, I wish I would have wrote it down. I'll I'll kind of skim through as we're talking about it, and maybe I'll bring it up later. But okay, uh, yeah, it was a good one. Jolie, did you have any favorite moments? Um, aside from always the theme song, um, uh, not I mean not really. I kind of I get what I get that they want to do the continuity thing. The comic, the show is the same, but. It would have been cool if they had like a different visual interpretation of what Tombstone looked like. It really bothers me that his face looks like the face of a bat. Yeah, and they don't the really nose. explain it. I know. Oh, and by the way, I read his little wiki and they said that in the cartoon they imply that he's a zombie, but they don't ever explicitly say it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like they imply that he doesn't need to breathe air. They imply that he might have come back from the dead. They imply he's not real alive. Again, it's like, that's cool, but I think one of the things I liked about the comic book version was that he was more down-to-earth. So I just wish that he, they would have just kept him like an albino, you know? Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I guess, I like yeah. that. Right. The, the Robbie stuff, though, 
uh, from the show I'll keep. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like that. <coughs> okay. So All now right. we're going to go to the next episode, which is Yay. The Return episode 10. Venom Returns. Right. Yes. Venom Returns and oh boy, is this a stinker. Uh, let's see. Who wrote it? Some guy named John Semper. He wrote them uh, all, though. <laughs> Sorry, oh. Julie. He wrote the entire series, yeah, so. Well, <laughs> maybe the whole... Ooh, anyway, it says that the teleplay is also by Len Wein, so. Yeah, Len Wein. Len Wein also did an episode of Batman, the animated series, that was horrible, so. But I don't want to speak ill of the dead. Anyway. <laughs> so, here's the thing. Um, I watched these and I watched them again and there's got to be some reason why they're not sticking in my brain. So I'm going to pretty much read from the Marvel Wiki the synopsis mm. of this. Okay, so. Mm, yes, Josh. There's a reason why it didn't stick with you because these two episodes are just like a mess. They're not good. Okay, yep. There's okay. so much happens. <laughs> it feels like. It feels like two movies were crammed into these 40 minutes worth of, of animation. It's insane everything that happens in here and all the characters that they just like throw at the screen. Right? Yeah. So Madam Web comes back or is still there, I guess, from last episode. But we get this guy named Cletus Cassidy who is in a building and is going to detonate a bomb. But Spider-Man is there to save the day. And he foils his plan. Uh, Cassidy is arrested and then taken away to jail. Um, Spider-Man has a chat with Madam Web. And it's to do with, I think, what Josh was talking about before, which she hints at uh, she hints at his future. I have no idea what her what her backstory is other than <coughs> she comes from the same world as the Beyonder. Mm-hmm. And she's like there <laughs> um, to sort of uh, be a witch. I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. Something. Okay. I honestly, th this was like, I was going to summarize the two episodes in one sentence, which was they have to get this, the Venom symbiote back into play. Somehow that happens because I think Dormammu and Baron Mordo are involved. <laughs> a doctor named Ashley Kafka is also involved. Eddie Brock, they shoehorn in there as well. Um, they also attend some kind of demonstration uh, outside of Stark Enterprises. And wouldn't you know, Deb Whitman's there, and so mm -hmm. is Dr. Connors. Hell yeah. Right? I'm Deb. here for Deb. Mm-hmm. I'm also here for Dr. Connors, um, but I don't know what they're protesting or whatever. I don't know how or remember how they get the symbiote back into play. Um, yeah. Okay. So I mean, if you remember. Yeah. Okay. So the Stark, there's like some sort of Stark uh, uh, presentation going on and mm -hmm. they're talking about like, he's like opening portals to get like materials and stuff from other parts of the world so they can use on earth. Yeah. Um, so that's what that's about. The doctor is trying to, it, uh, the doctor is like Eddie Brock's psychiatrist in, uh, in prison. Um, 
Dormammu has this plan to use Baron Mordo to sneak into Stark Enterprises because the uh, in the the last time we saw Venom, Spider-Man defeats Venom. The symbiote gets webbed up and stuck onto the side of a spaceship as it's rocketing up into space. And it turns out that that rocket is actually a Stark missile. And uh, Baron Mordo was able to sneak into Stark Enterprises, reroute the uh, 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 destination, and the shuttle crash lands back on Earth. Oh. So Baron Mordo hypnotizes two people to go and find the symbiote. One of them gets attached to the symbiote. The other one gets attached to the Carnage symbiote, which is an offspring of Venom. Because up in space, apparently, Venom had time to just split off and, and have a child. <laughs> yes, they actually literally say, this is a Venom baby. Venom yeah. has a baby. Somebody, a, baby. a character, says it in yeah. either this episode or the second one. And that is about the time where I said, this is whack. It is insane. This is all just in the first episode. Yeah. So Venom, uh, Eddie, uh, Baron Mordo hypnotizes the people to go to the prison to see Eddie. And then the symbiote jumps from them to Eddie. So Eddie's able to turn into Venom and escape. And he goes and he steals the Stark... He goes to like the presentation to steal the the machine, mm-hmm. and obviously Peter is there, but Deb, so he's able to turn into Spider Man and show up. Um, th- like Baron Mordo's like Venom's too soft. What are we gonna do? And Dormammu's like, we've got a backup. We have another uh, symbiote. We just have to find somebody crazy enough. And Baron Mordo's <laughs> like, hmm, how about that crazy guy in prison? So they go get Cleus Cassidy. They give him the carnage. Uh, Carnage goes to the presentation as well. So Carnage and Venom are teaming up to steal this like big tool from Stark. Um, And then our climax ends in the first episode when the psychiatrist, the doctor shows up and tries to stop Eddie. He kind of second guesses, guesses himself and doesn't know what he's going to do. And then Carnage comes over and like knocks the doctor out. And we're kind of left with Venom going, am I going to be a good guy? Am I going to be a bad guy? What's going on? And then, yeah, we're left to, for th- oh, so sorry. Also, War Machine's also there. Yes. Because I was going to say, you Tony forgot Stark about is War not, Machine. Yeah, Tony Stark is not at his own expo explaining his own <coughs> weapon, which I guess is pretty Tony Stark of him. Uh, so uh, Rhodes has to be there. So he ends up suiting up in the War Machine costume, helping out Spider-Man at some point. But that's just in the first episode. Um, then there's the next episode. The next <clears throat> episode is... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Where... So Carnage is about to destroy Spider-Man. Venom interferes. So it looks like, hey... He might want to be a good guy. Mm. Um, let's see. Baron Mordo, who is also there, splits up the two uh, and commands that they deliver the interdimensional probe to Dormammu immediately. Um, let's see. They flee with the probe. They do what yeah. he says, They, which is weird. And they flee with the probe. Um, then JJJ arrives and he attempts to unmask an un- an injured Spider-Man. But War Machine stops him. Uh, let's see. Tony Stark appears briefly on television. 
and tells Spider-Man to get him to the hospital so that he can send Iron Man in to help him get the probe back. Uh, So Venom and Carnage, back to Venom and Carnage, who are probed up and are about to relinquish this probe to Dormammu Mm -hmm. in an an alternate dimension. Um, However, Venom tells him that he considers his debt to be paid and leaves, although Dormammu considers Carnage sufficient enough for the assignment. I don't understand what this person has written. Oh, let's see. They begin to fight again. They fight for some reason. But Dormammu tells them that he is to leave his dimension an equal amount of life force is requ- in order to leave an equal amount of life force is required to be sent there to replace him. Dormammu, right. So That's Dormammu it. is trapped in another dimension, which is why um he is unable to that's why they need the machine is because dormammu is is stuck into the uh, in 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 the dark dimension and for dormammu to leave an equal amount of like life force has to be put back in which is what the symbiote is for yes he wants to put to replace dormammu and the symbiote need to be swapped yeah um so carnage sets about doing that yeah. Um, stealing or sapping the life force of civilians, including the entire police force and the military, who are powerless to stop him. <coughs> it's so dumb. Yeah, Spider-Man tries to stop him and has his life force drained. Uh, Carnage is... Uh, but here's the thing. Carnage can't hold any more life energy. Um, See, yeah, his bucket can only have hold so much souls in it. Yeah. So he's got to keep going back and forth to this machine and pouring the buckets of souls into the machine and then going back out for more. It's so ridiculous and convoluted. It makes no sense as to why they told the story this way. Yeah. And all, okay, so on the other, like the flip end of it, look, look there's just a bunch of shit happening. <laughs> it's so, it's just way too much. It's, I don't um, even want to explain it because... There's like some stuff with Aunt May and Mary Jane that Venom, like Venom is no longer with Carnage and he goes, you know what I mean? Like he goes and does something else. Yeah, he's looking for Peter Parker because he knows that Peter is Spider-Man. So then he kind of lets it slip to MJ that he loves her and blah, blah. It it all ends up where there's enough souls. Um eddie goes to try and stop everything and then the doctor is there um and her soul is the last one to get uh taken from carnage so carnage goes there it goes back to the place and starts opening up the portal the portal opens and we see dormammu is like slowly starting to to crawl his way out so spider-man and iron man now team up with each other to try and stop uh, whatever's going on as do Dormammu's being uh, sucked back into the machine um, they have to put push Carnage in as well why I can't remember it couldn't close because there wasn't, wasn't enough energy going past or something so they push Carnage in and then um, Venom actually also gets sucked in as well, sacrificing himself to save the doctor. And all the souls are freed and everybody back in New York who had their souls taken away have their souls back and they're back to their regular lives. So Venom is now stuck in another dimension with Dormammu and Carnage um, after turning to a hero and and sacrificing himself to save the day at the end. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And then Iron Man punches the 
Stark tech and destroys it. And then that's the end, pretty much. Uh-huh. Wow. Yep. Wow, wow, wow. Can that, I just yeah, go ahead. say, number one, <laughs> uh, Carnage is my least favorite Spider-Man villain, I think, of all. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow they made him worse in this show. I personally can't stand the voice actor. I can't stand the laughing. <laughs> I can't stand it. Visually, he's fine. He looks almost the same as the comic. The comic design is okay. It's not great. But I don't like Carnage at all. But, okay, knowing that, the Carnage is a science fiction-ish character. Why is Doctor Strange in this episode? Like, why is there that connection there? I don't understand. You mean Doctor why Strange isn't he? Isn't. No, no, sorry. Dormammu, like the whole... Oh, Dormammu, and yeah, yeah it like doesn't make Doctor any Strange sense. Magic thing, like, it, it, I don't it, understand... There's no reason to tie in Dormammu and all that into this. There's also no reason to tie in War Machine. There's nothing wrong with War Machine no. being in the show, but why is he in this episode, these two episodes? Because Tony's sh- not there. No, but you get my point. It's yeah. like, why yeah. spread? It's like, this could have just been Venom and Carnage, but we're going to throw in Dormammu and we're going to throw in War Machine. No reason for that at all. Yeah, it, it's such a weird convoluted way to get the spaceship to come back to Earth. Right. It, it really doesn't make any sense. Um, like, here's yeah. the thing. You know, you listed all the writers um, for this episode. So, hold on a sec here. Let me just scroll back up. Mm-hmm. John Semper Jr., the creator of the show, basically, Len Wein, veteran, also wrote for Batman the Animated Series. Stan Berkowitz also wrote for Batman the Animated Series. I think, like, let's be clear. I love the Spidey cartoon. I can watch the Spidey cartoon. This is not in the same league as Batman the Animated Series. There's no comparison. Mm-hmm. Like, this show is fun, but it's so hit and miss. And sometimes it's such a mess. Like, the Batman animated series would never do an episode like this, I don't think. Even though it's the same writers. Roughly. You know, it's, yeah. It's almost <laughs> as if someone would be like... There, is, there wasn't somebody in there who was like, Hey guys, none of this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so this obviously is not anything like the comics origin of carnage um like everything else like all the other origins they are slightly rooted in something some sort of source material uh like with tombstone we see that obviously the backstory is slightly changed but he's still tied in with robbie robertson instead of looking for a tape he's trying to stop an expose with the bugle like it's all pretty much the same but translated over to work in the show where the origin of carnage i feel like is just too dark and brutal for them to translate over to Mm -hmm. a show so they didn't have the source material to translate it so they it really does feel like they were like well we got to figure out some sort of brand new origin for this character so let's just throw everything at the wall and see what we can come up with to uh-huh. to, to do this it's it's like the first time that it's a brand new story all on its own and it really does not work um right mm. yeah like yeah. Did they just pollute some rando in a jail cell like that to me was the strangest part of it. I think that's the closest, closest thing to the comics, is I believe Eddie and 
Cletus are in jail together, like in their cells are um, cells are next to each other, mm-hmm. and then something happens where the Venom symbiote mutates and then clings on to Cletus Cassidy in prison, and yeah, then he like, escapes from there. But his origin is a serial killer. It makes sense that Carnage is more um, kind of cutthroat than Venom is. Mm-hmm. But then to just unwrite that, because this is a cartoon, cartoon quote, um, and then just have him be somebody who's exploding a building and that's his crime. Um, they didn't really... You kind of lose the magic of what Carnage is, which is mm-hmm. he's supposed to be crazed. A crazed mm-hmm. version of Venom. Like a bloodthirsty, perhaps, version of Venom. I just I also thought it was super ugh, schlocky when mm-hmm. he says uh when they're trying to name him oh. and like did anyone like guffaw yeah, it, aloud? It, it was like the extra it was like the extra <laughs> line of uh, you you're causing carnage. Perhaps we should call you carnage or right. something. It was something it was, that so bad, right? He, he, Cletus Cassidy says, "All I want to do is like cause mayhem and carnage." Yeah. And then Baron Mordo, <laughs> which is, I think that is fine. Yeah. But then Baron Mordo has to stop and go, "Hmm, carnage. I like that." Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's like, no, yeah. come on. Yes. Like, I think saying just like saying that you want to cause carnage is enough of like a oh, that's who this character is. You move yes. on. Yes. Right. But they didn't move on. No, they had to stop, pause, look the camera right down the barrel and be like, I like that. Carnage it is. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) um, Stupid. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, Jolie, have you read any stories with Carnage before? No, maybe. Maybe? I don't know if you have. I don't know if I have, but if I have, they aren't this terrible. I don't remember them being this terrible. I may have flipped through something that had carnage in it. Right. I may have casually worn a shirt with carnage on it, but I have <laughs> never read anything this horrendous. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I'm not a fan of his design of the comics, but even the design of the comics was better than this. I think he looks cool. Um, I just think that. Yeah, I was never huge on Carnage either because it feels just very samey. Right. Venom. Like, it's just like Venom again, I guess. And this is exactly where I I, around where I dropped Spider-Man is because you had Venom. Then you had Carnage. Then you had what? The Planet of the Symbiotes and Shriek. Yeah. Oh, just leave it alone. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I and, wish they would have done a, something a little different to like differentiate them. Like, obviously, one is black, one is red, one is like <laughs> big and buff, one is like skinny and got like mm. big tendrils. But yeah, it feels very much the same. And it's, mm, I, I was never a huge fan of Carnage. Right? Did they just do this because Todd McFarlane was particularly good at drawing? these types of characters no he left already he'd only done oh. two venom stories then he left and then eric larson is the one that unfortunately gave venom the drool uh, 
and the crooked eyes and all that stuff. And then Mark Bagley co-created uh, Carnage. So I think Venom just blew up and became such a popular character that they right. introduced more. Um, I think the only good thing about Carnage is I think there are some pretty fun stories where Venom is a good guy yeah. or when Venom has to team up with Spider-Man. I think that's the only like good good thing that's ever come from Carnage. All right, is like turning Venom into a good guy. I I've never really been been a big fan of like Maximum Carnage or anything. Right. Mm, I don't know. Um, maybe I should go back and reread them though. Maybe we will. By the way, why is Venom? Why does he suddenly have red and green or red and blue highlights? I don't know. I guess he had them originally too, but they really exaggerated them in this these two episodes. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the way it looked. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Yeah, it has like really strong lighting. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's this till they amped it up to signify that he's going to turn into a good guy like Spider-Man. Maybe. And the symbiote was also like partnered with Spider-Man before. And he's like kept the emblem, right? So maybe it's kind of like continuing that Spider-Man. Uh-huh. I didn't hate it. I think it actually kind of looks cool because it doesn't look like it doesn't look like he himself is red and blue. It's kind of, it almost gives like a like a like a shine effect. Sure, where it's like shimmering red and right. blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also want to point out the armor that they use for iron man is one of my least favorite designs yeah it sucks so ugly did you guys notice that like yeah. it, i don't think he even has a mouth does he uh i don't remember one yeah it's not great no I... oh yeah that's weird mm-hmm. it's like See, hmm. yeah he doesn't have a mouth i'm looking right now See, this is the ironic thing about the 90s Marvel cartoons is this is when a lot of readers or viewers got into Marvel, but these cartoons featured some of the ugliest (laughs) designs. Like, I'm sorry, but all the X-Men designs, in my opinion, are some of the worst. The 90s cartoon, like Jean Grey is the worst. Cyclops is pretty Mm. ugly. Uh, Wolverine has got his ugly yellow costume. Like, we're not going to get into X-Men. I'm just pointing out that even though this is when a lot of people came in, they could have done a better job designing the characters. Again, getting back to Batman, those ba- Batman designs like Mr. Freeze and Man Bat and Joker, um, a lot of those improved upon the comics, right? So, mm. I don't know. What were you going to say, Jolie? I didn't hate the X-Men. Okay. I know most people love the X-Men designs, but yeah, I, like, I personally I like think the they're X-Men all fun, really ugly. Ugh. Jubilee's bright yellow uh, yes. trench coat. I, How, love I love that so much. And... Honestly, I love Rogue. Her, like, big, gigantic jerry curl. I fucking loved it. So, yeah, I, I like, like her, Rogue. I like her vest. But the thing with those... Because that was all mostly Jim Lee designs, and I think he's a terrible costume designer. He also redesigned DC for New 52, and I think he <laughs> proved right there that he doesn't know how to design costumes. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, it at times, it does feel very 90s. Like... <laughs> Like the the Iron Man costume feels like a '90s costume for sure. Sure, like it's some of the costumes feel like ripped right from the comics. Like 
um, Baron Mordo. Mm-hmm. It's like there's almost like no difference between the costume in the show versus the comics. Like it's just it's the exact same character. But then Iron Man, they gave him all of these like weird gray pipes and stuff like sticking out of him. His mask is like so ugly. He's yeah. like sporting this like nasty yellow with like an orangey red. Yeah, it, the coloring is not good either. No. The patching is weird. Yeah. Also, um, I get it. Cletus Cassidy is supposed to be crazed and a killer or very dangerous. But his face. There's something about the animation of his face that was just like, <sighs> ooh, that's terrible. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it almost like didn't fit with the style of the other characters. Yeah. It's like somebody... Um, It's like when you see like... Uh, like Pixar and DreamWorks. Mm. If you put a DreamWorks character in Pixar, you immediately they stand out. Like you just know mm-hmm. that it's from a different house. Mm. And it's as if Cletus Cassidy, like the character, the the man, not Carnage, was like drawn by. Like, I mean, Darwin Cook's a great artist, but if you drop Darwin Cook art in this cartoon, it would just be like a stand out like a sore thumb. That is my comparison for lack of better ways to compare well the other thing too is that i I haven't been able to find much but it seems like the animation has declined like we all agree that the season one animation was better but i can't find any evidence that the studios changed so i don't know if you josh know anything about that but um i think some of the episodes um are really good in the show and then some of them are really good i don't think it's necessarily season one to season three thing i think it just depends on the episode okay um it could be multiple things a lot of times in like 80s and 90s they would outsource their animation to other countries or other studios if they couldn't get it done in time Mm -hmm. um it's also possible that instead of the entire animation studio working on an episode they actually divide it up into smaller teams okay. to work on an episode. So it could be even the same studio, but different animation teams working from episode to episode, which would um, the quality would obviously change depending on whether it's like a stronger team or not. Um, so I, I think personally, some of the stronger episodes, um, the important ones are animated much better this one was a little bit rough i even think the robbie robertson one was animated better than 10 and 11 like right. episode 9 looked better than 10 and 11 to me right. um the like green goblin and hobgoblin ones look really good the daredevil team up ones look really good and then usually the other ones are kind of like the in-between not as well animated ones right right i find so yeah it definitely uh the animation is definitely hit or miss but it's um i mean you kind of get what you get for saturday morning cartoons from the 80s and 90s right right any other thoughts gi julie um other than to rate them oh god i think this is the first time i'm gonna be like hey skip it mm-hmm because it's Ooh. like it has no bearing on the rest of the episodes or the actual characters themselves in continuity in the comics. This was terrible. Uh huh. I usually enjoy these shows, but 
this was like yeah mm-hmm. like no go territory i i think we'll have to agree these are probably like the the carnage and venom ones are probably the weakest ones we've reviewed so far i was not a big fan uh josh yeah this one is definitely a skip um i don't think that it has much of an impact on any of the other stories i can't remember if venom does come back when they start doing secret wars and all that but um, i think eh? it was kind of the night of order although i one quick note i did read a note that said that if the series spider-man would have continued on madam webb was going to send spider-man back in time to find mary jane in the 19th century and when he did that he would discover that jack the ripper was actually carnage and I'm not making that up. I don't hate hmm. that. I'm curious. <laughs> Interesting. Just because yeah. I'm a huge Jack the Ripper fan. <laughs> and that would kind of be neat. Uh-huh. Huh. That, that's anyway. definitely interesting. Yeah, man. Historical fiction. <laughs> Somebody so, yeah. do that, please. I'm going to do that. Right when there we get go. off this. Uh, so do you recommend the episode? No. Okay. So, um, we should have our listeners know that we are going to be reviewing more episodes of the cartoon coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, episodes featuring The Spot, uh, so Turning Point, that. which I don't know what that one's about, and Doctor Strange. But before we get to that, we have several episodes of Spider-Cast to do. And next week, we are going to be reviewing all three annuals from 1988. Uh, first up, we'll have the first appearance of Speedball, followed by an appearance by a villain named the Slug, and the return of the Gwen Stacy clone. So that should be really interesting. So yes, that wraps up this episode. I want to thank G.I. Julie for joining us. You're welcome. And uh, be sure to watch every episode of the show. But guess what? Josh is going to tell you all about Here Comes the Spider-Cast. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you can find uh, Here Comes the Spider Guest anywhere you can find podcasts. You can find all of our other shows as well on our YouTube and on Spotify and anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find them. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Full Volume and you've got uh, Flea Market Fantasy that are also, are also weekly uh, podcasts. Full Volume is actually a video podcast as well, so you can head on over to the Comic Book Syndicate YouTube channel to, to check that out. Um, yeah, please uh, leave us like a review or a comment anywhere and uh, uh, let us know what you guys think about the, the, the things that we're talking about and our podcast themselves. We'd really like to hear from you and to keep that comics conversation going. That's right. So until next week, see you later. <laughs>